Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turning your Bibles with me today, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. We've been in a uh, series entitled Carols in which we've been looking at a carol each week. And as we uh, look at that carol, we're taking one phrase out of the carol and, uh, and then diving in the scripture, talking about it. And last week, my wife preached, did an awesome job. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to have today, next week, we're going to have the Christmas program. Then we're going to conclude it on the 22nd. And so hopefully you can be with us uh, for all of it. If you're traveling uh, throughout the holiday season, Christmas, you're going somewhere, um, you're going to be out of town, you can catch it online if you don't want to miss it. If you happen to miss it, you can go to the podcast, check out the podcast, and uh, you can do all of your giving and everything right there. But today we're looking at Away in a Manger. And Away in the Manger, probably one of a favorite amongst children, uh, simply because of the words and the symbolism there uh, of, of a little baby. And I don't know about you, but every time I hear Away in the Manger, it just kind of gets me in that, that mode, that moment. And I just, I don't know, I can just kind of sit back, sip on some hot cocoa. Come on, somebody. Some hot apple cider, a pumpkin spice latte, whatever it is you prefer. And, uh, but I can just kind of sit back and maybe, and maybe reminisce about past Christmases, Christmases to come, the Christmas I'm in now. I don't know, there's just something about the song itself and uh, thinking about our, our, our Lord Jesus. Now, here's the thing, though, as we think about uh, this, uh, you know, Carol, it might create some cheery memories um, and maybe some new ones to come. Uh, but as we think about it, uh, we're going to tackle this one phrase today, little Lord Jesus, little Lord Jesus. And uh, here's the thing with that song is I, I feel for like many people, uh, that song really sums up their entire Christianity, that he still is little Lord Jesus, that he's not Lord Jesus, the one that came and, you know, grew as a man and died on the cross for all humanity and forgiveness of sins, rose again from the grave, is seated at the right hand of God right now, living to make intercession for you, did all sorts of miracles on earth, uh, that, that we kind of forget that part. And too oftentimes in our Christian walk, he still remains the little Lord Jesus, The little Lord Jesus, that he's not big in your world, he's not big in your eyes, he's not big in your life. Whether that's, maybe you haven't allowed him to become big in your life, or you haven't haven't experienced him in that way yet. Whatever it might be, for many of us this morning, I feel like he still is that little Lord Jesus. Now we've been having a lot of fun with our carol series, and so today's message is going to be, I really want it to be more of a, uh, like if I hooked up the, the jumper cables to a battery, and then stuck the other ones on your tongue. Come on, somebody. I don't really know what that would do, but I think it maybe might shock you or something like that. Uh, Today, I want that to be today's message, that we get jolted a little bit, not just to think about during the Christmas time, the little Lord Jesus, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, tucked away in in a manger because there was no room for him in the end, but but that we would begin to think about the the, the ever-conquering king that came to set humanity free from sin and death. That we would begin to think about that Lord Jesus, and, and, and he would no longer be the little Lord Jesus in your life, but he would be Lord Jesus in your life. And so I want to talk to you about, about that today, and the phrase we want to tackle is, is really not the little part, although he might be little to some of you, but we want to tackle this thought of Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. So I want to go to Luke chapter 2 today. 
And I want to look at Luke chapter 2 because this is the first reference of him as Lord in the New Testament. The first reference that Jesus is Lord. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now we've talked about this before, but this would be much like a census today. But back then they had to all go to the place where they were born, the place where they were raised. And so there are many people now making journeys all across the land. And Joseph also went up to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there was shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day In the city of David, listen to it now, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born, it doesn't say a little baby, it doesn't say the little Lord Jesus, but for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ the Lord. The Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that Lord, you would uh, literally shock and jolt each and every one of us into the reality of who we serve and who we belong to. That, that this morning as we walk away from this message that we would be challenged in many areas of our life that maybe we haven't surrendered to you. God, we would be challenged in our thought process over the Christmas season, uh, knowing that it's not about a little, a little baby, but knowing it's about an ever-conquering king who's still conquering today in all of humanity. That we would understand and know that this baby grew to become a man, and that man would die on the cross because he was the God-man for the forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. That we would come to the realization that that little Lord Jesus is the one that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess to the glory of God the Father that he is Lord. God, let us walk away with that understanding, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, although he might, might still be little in your framework today, uh, I believe that as we go through this message, you're going to begin to see him and understand him and maybe rediscover him in, in a new light and in a new way. Uh, that this thought of Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord, unto you is born a Savior, and he's Christ the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. That you would walk away with that understanding and knowing this, that literally over 740 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referenced as Lord. That he is called Lord throughout the Bible. And if we look at the context here today uh, in the birth of Jesus, I love what the angel says to the shepherds. We see that 
the census is going on, they travel, everyone's going to their own place. But, but specifically in Bethlehem, of the lineage of David, something supernatural is happening, that our Savior is coming. And angels appear to shepherds and they say, fear not. And here's why you don't need to be afraid. Why don't you need to be afraid? It says, fear not. Here's why you don't need to be afraid. For today is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I love what the angel says, and I believe that maybe it's echoing even true today that some of you sitting in this auditorium today, some of the people maybe podcasting it later this week or even watching online right now, that there might be some fear in their life. Have you ever found yourself in, in an area of your life where you found yourself fearful? Whether it's you're stepping into a new season, you're stepping into a new job, you're stepping into a new career, you're starting a new school, uh, uh, you're thinking about getting married, oh, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Whatever it might be, and there's a little bit of fear there, but, but God wants you to hear this today. Fear not because Christ is with you. Fear not because the Savior of the world is still alive and well today, and he's got this one. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a challenge in your marriage, and you've been married for a season. I don't know what it is, but here's the key. You don't need to be afraid. Why don't you need to be afraid? Because we have Christ the Lord. We have him. Not little Lord Jesus, but we have a really, really big Jesus, come on, that has you covered. This thought, though, today as we look at it, it makes us ask this question. If Jesus is Lord, because the Bible says so, if Jesus is Lord, how, how does that play out today? How does that made real in our life today? Well, we just talked about it a little bit. If Christ is Lord, he's either Lord over all of your life or he's Lord over none of your life. And so we can sit back today and, and literally examine our life and say, hey, what, what area am I fearful in? And then ask the question, is he really Lord of our life? We've been praying 2014 for 2014, and we're getting tons of prayer requests. This last week, um, I've been posting online on, on Facebook, and uh, we have quite a few followers on Facebook, and so I'll post on Facebook, hey, we're going into a prayer time right now. If you need prayer, then, you know, hit me up, and, and they'll, they'll leave comments. Well, one person took it a step further, and the phone rang literally probably two minutes after I posted that. The phone rang, and, and I answered, and I said, this is Canvas Church, and they said, yeah, I'm calling for the prayer hotline. Yeah, our church is so massive, we have a prayer hotline. <laughs> they didn't know it was the pastor answering the phone. So I was yeah, this is the secretary of the prayer hotline. How can I help you? <laughs> Hold on a second, phones are very busy. You know, obviously. And the, the prayer, I was like, you got it. This is the prayer hotline. He's like, awesome. He's like, I need prayer for my marriage. I'm like, great, man. So I asked him a few questions. He shared some things with me. I said, well, hey, where do you go to church at? He's like, I'm not going right now. I said, where do you live? And he was like, Illinois. I'm like, dude, it is a long trip to Canvas every Sunday morning, but you better be there if I'm going to pray for you. No, just kidding. Um, and I'm like, man, so I prayed for him on the phone. I said, here's what you need to do. I said, how'd you find out about us? He said, Facebook. I said, have you been on our, on our webpage yet? He goes, no. And I said, you need to go, because he shared with me some of the things he was struggling with. I was like, you need to go watch the Superman series, and you need to go watch the Wonder Woman series. He was like, I'm going right now, and I'm going to check it out, because I need something. I'm like, that's awesome. So we're getting these prayer requests, 
which uh, have been phenomenal, but th- this is the trends in the prayer request, is this, that the two, the three predominant things are number one, finances. Struggling with my finances. The second thing is this, is I, I need a miracle in, or I need healing or help in my marriage. And then the other one is, is, is for physical healing. And so, man, every single day, other than Monday, at least not corporately, I'm sure many of you pray on Monday, hopefully. But corporate, we've been praying together, 8.30 to 9, 12.30 to 1, and we're seeing God answer these prayers. And it's awesome, but, but here's what I've been praying for, for those people. Because here's the thing, we have the answers right here to our financial needs. We have the answers right here to our marital problems. We even have the answer right here for our health. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer and our health. He's Jehovah Jireh, our, our provider. But what I've sensed in some of these prayer requests is there is this literally devastation when it comes to maybe finances. And, 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 and so I'm praying, God, would, you, would, would, would they open up their heart and would they trust you with their finances? Would you be Lord of their finances? God, with their marriage, would you be Lord of their, of their marriage? Listen to me. If you have the understanding that Jesus is Lord, you don't have to worry about your finances. If you have the understanding that Jesus is Lord, you don't have to worry about your marriage. If you understand that Jesus is Lord, you don't have to worry about your health. We've talked about this before, but the Bible says, who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? Worrying does absolutely nothing for you other than cause ulcers. Come on, somebody. And then you worry long enough, and it it gets your spouse to worry. And then your kids are walking around depressed, and you wonder why your kids are depressed. Then you put them on medication. And now you're more depressed because you're broke. You've got to pay for the medication. Come on, somebody. Worrying does absolutely nothing for you. If you understand that Jesus is Lord, you have nothing to worry about. But is he Lord of your finances? Is he Lord of your health? Is he Lord of your marriage? Is he Lord in your life? Jesus is Lord. Right now, how does that play out every day? He, here's, here's the definition. In, 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 in the, the Bible, the word is kyrios, and it means this. It means Lord, which we're, we've been talking about, ruler, supreme in authority. Here's the other word, controller. Let me read it to you again. He's Lord. This is the, the meaning of the word in the Bible. When it says Lord, Jesus is Lord, it means he's Lord, ruler, Supreme in authority, controller. And here's the thing, when I read through those, we, 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 I understand, yeah, he's Lord, okay? I, I, can, I can swallow that one. Ruler, okay, yeah, he's ruler over the universe. He's supreme in authority. Of course he is. He's God. Of course he's supreme in authority. But when we get to this last one and we say he's controller, we, we, we kind of have a problem with that one. Why? Because if we, 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 we declare that he is Lord, that he's controller, that means I'm out of control. So for me to say he's Lord of my life says this, he's controller of my life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we're immediately at odds with ourselves because we are control freaks. We are. Every single one of us sitting in this room likes to be in control. It's true. You can deny it all you want. You like to be in control. 
And so when we say he's Lord, we say he's controller, we're like, whoa. Now, I've surrendered that all to him. I am not a control freak at all. (laughs) Doesn't matter to me how the facilities look when I show up. They're dirty, they're dirty. If the sign is sitting crooked, not a problem with me. Am I, am I lit up okay? I just want to make sure. That... Okay, yes, I'm a control freak, okay? I have no problem admitting that. I do actually have a problem admitting it, but. But when we say Jesus is Lord, what it means is we're yielding everything to him. Now, now here's something we need to understand, okay? We can never make him Lord of our life. He is already Lord The only thing we can do is come to the conclusion that he is already in control of all of life. And we surrender to that. We don't come to him and say, hey, today I'm surrendering to you and I'm making you Lord of my life. No, what we simply do is we surrender to him and we we stop butting heads with him. And we say, hey, look, you're in control. And I'm surrendering all mine to you. It makes for a great message, but man, to, to live that out practically? Am I the only one that has an issue with it? I, you know? <laughs> we like to be in control. When we're not, we freak out. We like to be in control. So really the question is this then. If he's in control, he's Lord, how do we surrender our life to him? How do we surrender our life to the little Lord Jesus? Eight pound, four ounce, gold fleece diaper wearing Jesus. How do we surrender our life to him? Let's look at two ways we as, as humanity surrender our lives to him. The first one is this, number one, and, and this is probably honestly, if we're to be honest, this is where probably the most of us are at. And it's this, it's we partially surrender our life. The partially surrendered life. The reality is that most of us in church, not just Canvas, but most of us in church at large, uh, we're we're, we're really not fully surrendered. We're we're really cultural Christians. We're cultural. it's, it's, It's what we do. I go to church on Sunday. It's become cultural. I might, might get involved in a community but group, but then you're starting, I don't know, you're starting to take a day from me, and I like to be in control of my days, and so I don't know if I should be around, I don't know if I can do that one. You want me to ser- serve? How much do I get paid? <laughs> serve. We're cultural Christians. We, we actually even so a lot of times base our level of, of godliness, of righteousness, of Christianity, of uh, being a Christian. We base it on what the world looks like and what the world deems acceptable or what the world's doing. Here's what we do. Rather than looking at the Bible and saying, here's what a Christian is, because it's all in there, we look at the world and we see how bad they are and we say, well, if I just adjust this in my life and live like this, then well, I'm not as bad as they are, so I'm a Christian. 
I'm not doing that, so I'm a Christian. But the reality is, is we cannot be doing any of that and doing absolutely none of this, and we're deceiving ourselves because he's really not Lord of our life at all. You will never look at a way in the manger the same again. That's what we do. And then if we're a really, really, really good Christian, what we do is we look at people inside the church. Uh Uh-oh. And we look at so-and-so, and and they say they're a Christian, and we look at them, and then we say, well, I I want up it, and I'm not doing that, and so I must be a really good Christian. But the problem is, is they're basing their Christianity on the world, and they're not a Christian at all, and now you're looking at them not being a Christian. Are you with me today? So culturally, we, we, we have good morals. We, we go to church on a Sunday. Uh, we maybe, maybe, maybe pick up the Bible throughout the week and, and maybe do a devotional as long as it's audible and I can listen to it on my way to work because I don't want to read. It's quiet in here today. Away in a manger. You want the band to come back up? We're cultural Christians. We're cultural Christians. When I look at Luke 6, 46, it says this, and this is Jesus talking, and it's, it's a, the whole passage is great, but I just want to look at this first verse. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus is Lord, is Lord of my life, controller? Why do you call me controller, controller, and not do what I tell you? This is Jesus looking at the people. Looking at the church, looking at Christians, looking at followers, say, hey, why do you do this lip service to me? You're actually doing a disservice. You call me controller, controller, Lord, Lord, but then you don't do any of the things I ask. See, I I believe that, that in our heart, or maybe not in our heart, but verbally, you know, we declare things, you know, like, I want, God, I want to live by your word. I want to live according to your word, God. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord of my finances. But here's what we do. We pick and choose what we want to, what we want to live by. Right? You're Lord of my, fi- bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Um, I don't see that in here anymore. Be generous and serve others. Hmm. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's a god? Something I give a lot of my time to. I don't see that one in there. Oops. A little remnant. Huh. Love your neighbor as... see that one okay I like it now see a lot of you had a heart attack when I started ripping pages out of the Bible I heard a, oh did you guys hear that too uh-huh you heard the oh so I saw somebody go like this thinking I was gonna get struck with lightning so somebody's like can you do that oh he 
he's ripping pages out of a Bible, but here's the deal. This is just ink on paper when God wants us to live it, yet every day we are living our life like this. We're like, I, I, I serve you, God, but not that part. I, I love you, Jesus, but I don't know if I can give that part of my life. And so we get really upset about me ripping paper with ink on it out of a book, but yet every day we live our life just like that. I really struggled with that, by the way. I debated on whether or not I was going to do it. Because I thought I might get struck by lightning. I almost thought about having Caleb come up for that demonstration. Just, hey, Pastor Caleb, come up here. This is what I need you to do. I need you to go ahead. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I was like, Lord. So if we were to read something like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 from the partially surrendered version Bible, it would say, trust in the Lord with partial parts of your heart. Lean most of the time in your own understanding in some of your ways when you feel like it and it looks like it'll work out for you, right? And if you do that, he will always direct your path. This is the partially surrendered version. Now let me just clarify, there really is no version like that, okay? So, and just in case, I don't want you to go into the Bible bookstore and say, hey, I'm looking for the partially uh, surrendered version of the Bible. I almost made a joke. God, thank you. I'm listening more and more to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's good. So let me ask you this question. What areas of your life have you not surrendered to him? Are you a control freak when it comes to your finances? Because honestly, if you're a control freak when it comes to your finances, you will never prosper financially. It doesn't mean not being wise with your finances. Wisdom with finances is not a control freak with finances. But here's the deal. If you surrender your finances to him in a biblical perspective and say, okay, budget, store up treasure for my children's children. Come on, mom. (laughs) Looking at you. And I tithe and I live a generous life, guess what? That's his plan. That's him being in control. And if I do that, wow. Oh, my marriage, it's not doing real good. Well, maybe you should stop trying to be a control freak and telling your spouse what they need to fix and start surrendering it to God. And then God will give you his control of marriage that says, hey, Wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, go die on a cross for your wife. And sometimes, she's the one pounding the nails. In your marriage, not mine. I don't know. <laughs> Love you. 
What part of your life do you need to surrender to him? What is it? What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? What are you worrying about? The other way we can surrender our life, which is really a much better way, is number two, there's the fully surrendered life. The fully surrendered life. This is the life that that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding ever. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The fully surrendered life. And we read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that is not a problem for us. Yeah, I'm trusting in him. I have no clue what's going on here. I have no idea how it's going to work out. But you know what? I'm trusting in him with everything. I'm not going to try to lean into some ideas, some ideologies, some advice from, 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 from Oprah. Come on, somebody, Dr. Phil, whoever it is. Come on. Your favorite soap opera? Don't try to do that one. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to trust God with everything. The fully surrendered life, Romans chapter 14, 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the controllers. We are the Lord's. We belong to him. It's his plan It's his idea, and he's the one that empowers us to live that life. Here's the thing we need to understand. This, what we're talking about, is a free gift to all of us. It's free. Salvation, a a, a life where he is Lord, it is free, but yet at the same time, we surrender everything. It, it It costs him everything. It costs us nothing. But when we say yes to it, he's controller. He's controller. I think back to the day that I I asked my wife to marry me. It was an amazing day. We went down to the beach, Lake Washington, and I got our favorite Chinese food from Safeway. Come on, somebody. That's what I could afford. (laughs) And I I, I brought the ring, and I was prepared to ask her. I laid out the blanket, had the ring in my pocket, and I, I mean, back, you know, I know that you're supposed to spend, you know, I don't know how, I don't even know what it is. You're supposed to spend so much of your income on, I didn't even, I was a valet, come on somebody. I was lucky if I got tips that night. So I, I spent about $2,400 on a ring, and that was a lot of money to me. Don't judge me. And I remember, and I was so nervous. It cost me $2,400. And about $9.47 for lunch. <laughs> Cost me a lot. We got done eating, and I shoved over her fortune cookie to her. And I got ready, hand in pocket, ready to pull the ring. She cracked open the fortune cookie. And it said, Katie, she was like, these people are good. <laughs> and I'm like, read on, read on, read on said, I love you. Will you marry me? 
And she said, Ben, some Chinese dude tucked away somewhere wants to marry me. Like, I know. And she looked up, and I was on one knee, and I had the box open. Like, will you marry me? And she said, yes. At that moment, it cost me $2,409.47. And it cost her nothing. But the minute she said yes, she surrendered everything and said, I am solely yours. And at that altar when we got married, man, I'm solely hers. She's solely mine. It didn't cost her anything. But she had to surrender everything. See, it doesn't cost you anything. He did it all. But when you say yes, you are no longer in control of your life. He is. And it's the best place to be. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You no longer belong to yourself. Listen to me. There is no casual yes in Christianity. There is no, I mean, my wife said, you know, I like the ring. Not so sure about if I just want to be exclusively yours. Let me think about it. Run it by a couple of my friends. Maybe Google a few things. And I'll get back to you in the next 48 hours. There's no, there's no casual yes to God. There's no partial yes. It's either yes, he's Lord, or he's not Lord at all. The fully surrendered life says that he is Lord of all. And here's the thing that we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, six did I say sex in church? <laughs> I was talking about the wedding. Sorry, my bad. Get over it, people. If you're married, it's a good subject, okay? That was classic. I love it. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It actually goes back to the word knowledge. The word is yada, and it's, it, it goes back all the way, and this is why I probably said what I said. It goes back all the way to where Adam knew Eve. It's an intimate knowledge. In all my ways, acknowledge. In all of my ways, yada. In all of my ways, I am intimate with God, and he will direct my steps every aspect of my life. Listen, the, 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 the I do on the wedding, the yes, I will marry you, wasn't a one-time event. The reason we're still together is because every day we live and thrive in our marriage. The minute we stop living and thriving in our marriage is the minute we're in trouble. The minute you stop living and thriving in God is the minute you begin to pull back and you stop acknowledging you dying him in every area of your life and you begin to pull back and then you begin to live that life where this area I surrender to you but this area I do not. 
The only way it works, the only way he's Lord of your life is if you yada him every day. You're intimate with him every day. You acknowledge him every single day of your life and then you won't have to worry about the finances because he's got that. You won't have to worry about your marriage because he's got that. You won't have to worry about your health because he's got that. You won't have to worry about your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, or whoever it is. Why? Because he's got that. Why? Because I'm intimate with him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the controller of every aspect of my life. I am fully surrendered to him, and in a full surrender to him means I have absolutely no control over anything that is going on in my life. I want to ask you this question right now. What area of your life are you holding on to? What area of your life is he still the little Lord Jesus? What area of your life is not fully committed, fully surrendered to him? If you continue to hold on to that, listen to me, it'll begin to affect other areas of your life. If you continue to hold back and not surrender, maybe it's not an area of your life, maybe it is your life. Maybe you are more of, of, of a cultural Christian, and today as we talked about it, you, you begin to think about it, you realize, you know what, yeah, there, 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 there are some areas, but then you realize, wait a second, there are more areas that aren't surrendered than are surrendered. Maybe he's not Lord of my life. Are you partially surrendered? Are you fully surrendered? What areas of your life? It is my prayer for you this Christmas that you'll be jolted to remember Jesus, the Savior, is Lord. He's not the little Lord Jesus. He's the conquering king. He's the Savior of the world. He is God with us right now. He's the healer of my body. He's the glory and the lifter up of my head. When the enemy comes in one way, the spirit of the Lord, that spirit, Jesus, raises up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in one way, he's got to flee before me seven different ways. Why? Because he's my protector. He's the one. He's the one. It's him. Is he Lord? Is, is he Savior? Is he a mighty God to you? Is he controller? God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we love you today. And Lord, I pray that as we, we, we conclude this time together, that Lord, it wouldn't just be about a, a, a sermon, it wouldn't be just about a, a talk, it wouldn't be about just I did my duty and my service and I came to church this Sunday. But God, it would be about a reflection, a moment right now in time where we literally take this, these few minutes and say, hey, God, there's this area I'm holding on to. And I need to surrender it to you. I need to surrender it to you. There's my life I'm holding on to. And I need to surrender it to you. I need to surrender it to you. I need to surrender it to you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.